Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Elijah did not do all the dramatic jumping around and all that stuff like the prophets of Baal did, no cutting himself and all that religious nonsense. He just simply prayed to the Lord God, but he used specific wording that was intended for the Israelites to hear it so that they would remember the covenant promise that they had with the Lord. You heard how he prayed. The Israelites would start thinking, yeah, you know what? We're supposed to be in covenant with the Lord God of Israel. The Lord is very passionate about his people, Israel. He's very loving. He chose them. So do you think this is a prayer that the Lord God would answer, that Elijah would pray like this? Lord God, remember your covenant with your people. Do you think the Lord's going to answer this? Well, of course he will. First Kings 18, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. <laughs> okay, they realize whoever answers by fire, that's God, and they, it just hit them in this big way. The Lord is God. The Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh God, Yahweh the Lord, He is God. Now, remember how they poured water over the altar several, several times. So you saw that the fire was so hot that it burned up the water. Okay, we would expect that, just burn the water off. But did you see that it was so hot that it burned up the stones and it also burned up the dirt that was around it? Friends, have you ever seen dirt burn? (laughs) Okay, rocks, the rocks burned too. These Israelites did, they saw it. They saw this happen, and man, that got them believing in the Lord like nothing else they'd ever seen in their life. The Lord God answered by fire, and they acknowledged him. They turned back to the Lord God and remembered the covenant he made with them. Isn't that good? Praise God. 1 Kings 18 and 40. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. So now that the people of Israel had also suddenly turned back to the Lord God, the unrepentant, willfully sinful, wicked people that would not, they could have turned. They could have said, you know what? We better get on board with this this God of Israel thing, and they didn't. So Elijah was able to command them to be executed. Who executed them? All these Israelites that just woke up to the Lord God of Israel, he says, now kill them. They have to be taken out. We're going to bail this country out. We're going to get the mess out of here. We have to clean it up. Why did they obey? 
Why did they suddenly kill all the prophets of Baal? Remember, they'd been kind of teetering. I don't know. They Some of them been following Baal for a while. Why did they suddenly obey besides the fact they just realized that the Lord God is the God of Israel? They reacted to Elijah's command to kill them, to execute the prophets in obedience to God's law, which is stated in Deuteronomy 13, 12. If you hear someone in one of your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. And if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, all that is in it, and its livestock with the edge of the sword. So you can see how quickly the Israelites responded in an act of obedience to God's law. Think of it, a people who were once quiet, because remember, they didn't say a word. Nobody wanted to say anything because they wanted to see how the big showdown was going to turn out, who's going to win. And now they're not quiet. They immediately obeyed Elijah's order to slaughter the prophets of Baal. They're reacting quickly. And guys, I want you to remember how this huge, godly revolt started with one poor widow from chapter 17. This is where it really started getting amped up here. God showed himself through her first, one poor widow woman that was about to die. Word got around. How did God do this? It started to spread a little bit. And now look at this. Thousands of Israelites have repented. They turned back to God, and they're already fighting with victory. Look how quick that victory came up, because they turned back to the Lord their God. They're fighting with victory against the enemy that had held them down as spiritual captives for so long. Friends, one of the reasons they reacted so quick like this is because they wanted no part of Baal anymore. Once you recognize the power and the freedom and the victory there is in the Lord God of Israel, you should look at your sin and say, sin, I want no part of you anymore. I'm excited about the Lord God of Israel. And that's why they acted the way they did. 1 Kings 18.41 Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand, rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Now, friends, by this time, it had not rained for three and a half years. And now it's raining so hard, it's just uh, it's crazy. Now, we know it hadn't rained for three and a half years because Jesus himself said so, that that drought was three and a half years long. He said that in Luke 4. But you notice, God did not just switch the rain back on automatically. 
I mean, he said rain was coming, but it didn't just pop back in. Even though Elijah knew rain was coming, he still had to pray for it. That's an important point we need to recognize here. He knew it was coming, but he still had to pray for what was coming. And he didn't just pray for it once, not twice. He prayed up to seven times because he told the guy, go back and look, go back and look. And finally, on the seventh time, he saw something. Now, up on Carmel, they could see all the way towards the Mediterranean Sea. So he had his servant continually checking over and over again to see if any rain was coming. Every time there was no rain, what did Elijah do again? He prayed again. So if the next time there was no rain, what did he do? He prayed again. Friends, I know that you're praying for something that's not happening and you're, you're, you're done. Well, I give up. I prayed several times. You know what? Pray again. The significance of the number seven, because he went back seven times to look, the significance of the number seven is completeness. There's seven days to make a complete week. Seven is a figurative number that means complete all the way. So he prayed completely again and again. You ever see the, the acronym for PUSH? P-U-S-H means pray until something happens, okay? That's what Elijah did. He prayed until something happened. And so Elijah told his enemy, Ahab, that he should go back home before the storms get there. Why did he let him go back home when he had destroyed the prophets of Baal? Why turn Ahab loose? Well, King Ahab had witnessed God's power against Baal, and he allowed Ahab the opportunity to go back home and so that he could use his authority to influence more people of the kingdom to turn and follow the Lord also. That's why he sent Ahab back, 1 Kings 18.46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So after Ahab went on home, Elijah stayed behind. He was praying up the, the storm, and then all of a sudden, Elijah got this super mega double dose of godly power, <laughs> and he ran to Jezreel. Guys, that's 25 miles away. He ran, and he actually passed up King Ahab. Remember, King Ahab was in a chariot, okay? You got horse speed here, and Elijah stayed behind for a time, but then he ran and passed him. Um, Any of you ever watch that TV show called The Flash, that guy that could run real fast? <laughs> so what was the point? of Elijah running so fast like this? Why did God enable him this super strength to run so quick to get there ahead of King Ahab? What was the point of that? Well, when you consider the context of the story, it might be that Elijah went back to the capital to, for, well, for one thing, to show the king he was not afraid of him. Uh, and also, to he needed to be back at the capital before the king got there to be a reminder to the king that when the king got back to resume his royal duties, that he should do it for serving the Lord and not Baal. See, Ahab was going to get home. Well, let's let's just be hush about that Mount Carmel thing and not talk about it, and I'll just carry on as normal. No, Elijah was going to be there. Hey, buddy, remember me from Mount Carmel? Okay, what are you going to do now when you get back on your throne? Are you going to continue this Baal nonsense? Because if you do... We can repeat Carmel all over again right here at home. So he went back to be a reminder for him, you better start serving the Lord God. The Lord had discredited Baal at Mount Carmel, but Elijah, he may have known that Ahab's vindictive queen, Queen Jezebel, was there 
feeling humiliated about it. Once she was going to hear about it, she was going to be all upset. He, the Lord God did what to Baal? And so Elijah needed to be there at the capital once Jezebel heard about it. So there's some good reasons why the Lord probably enabled Elijah to run to Jezreel so fast. He needed to be there for all these various reasons. So now in reviewing the story, we have two faithful men. We have Obadiah, who was afraid of the king, yet he still secretly provided for the Lord's prophets anyway. And then there was Elijah, who had boldly rebuked the king twice now. Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. You know, Obadiah was a little too scared to go confront Ahab that he had seen Elijah. But Elijah knew that Obadiah would respond well to this if only he knew that he could trust the outcome of it to be with the Lord. He knew the Lord could do this, but he needed to be encouraged in that. And so Obadiah and Elijah, they both acted together. They were working together. They were tag-teaming with each other, working cooperatively as as a team. And they knew that the blessing they would receive would be the Israelites turning back to the Lord again. That's what they really looked forward to was a, uh, the, the nation of Israel coming back together again. And when, it, when many Israelites did actually turn back, Elijah commanded the execution of Baal's prophets. Now, a lot of you think, well, this is really harsh. Well, yes, they would not repent. And friends, you know, the crucifixion was a mess because sin can't stay here. And God wanted to give us a way to be cleared of sin, forgiven, so we could be saved. But sin has to be dealt with very, very harshly. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 29, If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Yep, you heard it. The H-E-L-L word hell, it exists. It's real. Jesus talked about it. You don't want to go there. But this means here, you be as rough with sin as you have to, to get it out of your life. And anybody that will not agree with you in this, no, I'm keeping it. They can't stay around, guys. You got to deal with sin harshly. Elijah was blunt direct about having a big showdown with Ahab in order to bail out the sin from Israelite culture. And likewise, when the Israelites killed the prophets of Baal, they were as ruthless with sin as they had to be in order to get Baal out of the land, to get that Baal worship, that false god, non-existent. He, did, he couldn't answer because he, he wasn't real. To get this, this falseness, this lie out of their life. Friend, you've got to get the lies out of your life. You're being lied to and you know it. You switch on the TV, they're lying to you day and night. God's word is truth. You can trust in it. You're going to have to make a decision. How long will you falter between two opinions? You're going to watch TV and the media and movies and believe what they're saying when you know they're lying to you, or are you going to follow God's word? You need to make a decision. You need to pick a side. You need to get on it, and you need to stay there. So Israel was getting bail out of their land because they made a decision. So you remember how I said that whenever two kids in school had these big differences to settle, they would say, see you at the ball field. Friends, Elijah had a big difference to settle with Ahab. He said, meet me at Mount Carmel. And friends, 
Jesus came to settle a huge sin difference with us, and Jesus says, Meet me at the cross. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Friends, you know, when Ahab went to Carmel, he had every intention of winning. Just like on the way to the ballpark, each of the guys on both sides of the battle here, they had their every intention to win. <laughs> but friends, when you come to Jesus, when you come to the cross, it's, it, it's exactly the opposite. You don't go with the intention of winning. Being crucified with Christ, that's not what a lot of people would call winning, because being crucified, it means you have to lose. Friends, to come to Jesus, you can't go into it with the intention to win. I'm awesome. I'm strong. Yes, I have Jesus. I'm going to win. No, you've got to come to Jesus with the intention of losing. You have to come to Jesus to be crucified. That is a loss. But the victory, there is victory in this, but it's not you winning. Your winning is not your own victory. The victory is in the is in what Jesus won for us. It's what he won. It's not what you win. It's not what you do. It wasn't your fight. Jesus fought it for you. You've got to lose to gain his victory. So it's basically a lose-to-win scenario. Lose your own self-glory. Lose your own self-victory, your own sense of pride, your own sense of strength. you got to lose it all. you got to die to it in order to gain Jesus' victory for eternal life. And this is where a lot of people hold back on accepting Jesus because they don't want to give up their old life. Or maybe they think there's too much sin in their life that the blood of Jesus doesn't work. I've sinned too bad. I'm too bad. The sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross for me it's not going to work for me because I'm too. I, I've done too much. You're thinking I've poured too much water. It's not going to burn it off. It's not going to work. Hey, Elijah poured all the water he could get time and time and time again. You think you've got too much sin in your life that the sacrifice God did for you isn't going to work? Friends, God can burn up every bit of sin that you have poured on yourself. It, God can burn every bit of it up. If God can burn up stones and dirt and all the water that they poured on the sacrifice to try to make people think it's never going to work, then he can do the same for you. If you're thinking, but the sacrifice of Jesus is never going to work for me because I've got too much sin water on it that makes it too impossible, understand the Lord God can do this. The sacrifice of Jesus will work for you if you will turn your life over to him and trust him with it. I'm going to pose a question to you today, a false god of Baal. We don't have this false god Baal that we call anymore, but there are false gods out there. There are false gods of money, career, self, all these other things. Anything that has prioritized itself in your life above God to where you don't even think about God, you're trusting other things, that's your Baal. And you need to bail out. You need to bail him out. You need to get your false god out and get God in. Jesus Christ in your life. Let me pose a question to you today. How long will you falter between two opinions? You either serve what you want or you serve what the Lord God of Israel wants. You will serve what Jesus wants or yourself. How long will you falter between two opinions? And you remember how quiet 
the Israelites were about this question until they saw what? What finally convinced them? What finally got them on board with God? It's when they saw the intense fire of the Lord. That's when they turned back to him, when they saw the fire. Let me show you the fire of the Lord. Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Friends, this is the intense fire of God. It's hell. I said it. Oh, that's offensive, Ray. Jesus said it. We read it today. It's real. It's a real place. I pray that thinking about the fire of the wrath of God, I pray that causes you to turn back to the Lord because this is a real place. People laugh at me about this. Hey, you can laugh your way into hell, but you will not laugh your way back out. Right now, you've got your chance to avoid hell. I don't want you to just avoid hell. I want you to gain Jesus. But he's your escape. He's your way out. Now, remember how after the Israelites turned back to God, they all shouted, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then they immediately gouged out. You remember that? Jesus said, gouge it out. They gouged out the sin that was among them. They wanted no part of Baal and their lives anymore. Friends, God has fiery wrath against our sin, and this should produce enough fear in us to turn back to him, and this should cause us to want no part of our old life of sin anymore, enough to where we will want to gouge it out of our lives. Whatever causes you to sin, whatever's in your life, whatever you have that causes you to sin, gouge it out and get rid of it. Throw it away. Now consider that the Israelites had to see a miracle of God in order to come to this belief. Friends, Jesus said in John 20, verse 29, he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Friends, does it really take us seeing a miracle this big, fire from the sky, to get us to say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Is that what it takes to get you to say that? Do you realize you could just say it with me? Friends, say it aloud with me. Say it with me. The Lord, he is God. Say it. The Lord, he is God. Everybody say, the Lord, he is God. Now let's all go out and gouge out the wickedness from our lives and throw it away and get rid of it. And let's follow the Lord God of Israel. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you came for us to gouge out the sin from among us. Lord, people are hearing the gospel today, maybe for the first time, and they're realizing, I want this. I want to be saved. I don't want to go to the lake of fire. Lord Jesus, I want to be with you. Lord, communicate to them that they have to die to themselves. They have to be crucified with Christ. And it's not a loss. It's a gain. It's a win. But the victory is not from themselves. It's what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.